to the Strictly Anonymous podcast. Conversations with online strangers. We place ads online. Craigslist is definitely the gift that keeps on giving. Real people respond. You go to Singapore or Thailand. You can't not do it. The temptation is just too much. Real problems. Does your friend know that you're banging her? No, he has no idea. And anything goes. Motto of the show, let your freak flag fly. Probably the only good advice I'll ever give you is to rehide your whips and chains. Here is your host, Kathy. Hi. Welcome to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast with Kathy. Um, listen, if you're on Instagram or Twitter, follow me at Strict Anonymous. Wait till the end of my podcast for links to everything else. I'm trying to make my intros shorter nowadays, so I'm going to get right to my guests today. I have on Brenna and Brian. Not only are they hosts of the very popular Front Porch Swingers, they're also a stag hot wife couple. And they talk all about how they met, how they opened up the relationship, how and why they became the specifically the stag and hot wife couple, how they play with others. They know specifically exactly what they're into and they talk about how it all got started how and why it works for them, what doesn't work for them. There's a lot of tips in here. This episode is great for a couple wanting to get into the lifestyle or a couple that's in it and maybe is having some issues. It's very informative. It's also super interesting if you're not even into the lifestyle but just want to know more about it. Brenna and Brian are professionals and they're open about it. There's no changing of voices here. There's no secret Patreon anonymous pics. Because you could just go to their Instagram and see them there. You could go and hear a lot of hot stories on their podcast, The Front Porch Swingers. They also have an OnlyFans account. All of the links to all of their stuff is going to be in the description below. So I'm just going to get right to it and be right back on with Brenna and Brian. This is the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. Uh, Hey, Brenna and Brian. Welcome to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. How are you guys today? Great. How are you? Good, Kathy. Thanks for having us. I'm good. Listen, I have seen and known about your podcast for a long time, Front Porch Swingers. You're always up there in the top of the charts. You guys have been married. I don't know a lot of your backstory, which I love. I prefer to go into my calls not really knowing a lot about the people I'm going to talk to because I want to get that history. You know, my, I'm curious by nature, so I'm just going to, you know, what I'd love to get is your guys' backstory, right? Because you guys are swingers. I would use the words, I think you use the words hot wife, stag. People love that kind of stuff. I get a little confused the difference between swingers and cuckolding and hot wife and stag. I think you might be newly polyamorous. I don't know. That always always seems like very difficult for me to grasp. And um, I haven't had a lot of people that have been successful at polyamorous relationships yet. But how long have you guys been married and how long and like how soon after you guys got married did you open up your relationship? Or, I don't know, is it an open relationship? I don't know, you know? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, we're a lot of different things. Yeah. <laughs> we, we tend to just say that we're open people. We're open to new experiences. Uh, we are not a married couple. We are a committed couple. We mm-hmm. are each other's life partners, we always say. Mm-hmm. But we have failed marriages between us. And, and honestly, we, we look at marriage as more of a business arrangement. Yeah. And we don't want to look at our relationship that way. Mm-hmm. So, um 
But to answer your question, as far as how quickly we got into this, the answer is very quickly. I think we started dating in December, and by the time February or March rolled around, <laughs> uh, the, the following you know, three or four months later, we were getting into the lifestyle. So it was very quick for us, and it's been amazing. We haven't really looked back. Now, how long ago was that? That would have been a little over four years ago. Uh, were you guys experimenting with this in your other relationships or was it something new to both of you with each other? Well, it was brand new to me. I was certainly monogamous before dating Brian, before meeting him. Uh -huh. But I was always kind of itching for something else. There was definitely a part of me that wanted more. Right. And Brian can obviously speak to his experience. Yeah, we started our relationship uh, under the pretense of a BDSM component. So we had oh. both had BDSM and kink experience in our background. Mm -hmm. I had uh, some experience with uh, non-monogamy and non-monogamous relationships mm -hmm. uh, to a degree in my past and wanted to get back into that and experience it at a deeper on a deeper level with a partner with, uh, with whom it really made sense. Um, right. And once Brent and I got together because of how we started our relationship with the openness and the honesty and uh, with, with which we got started, it just made sense to kind of start talking about all of our fantasies and all the things that we would want out of a relationship. Uh, and again, very quickly got into the conversation of uh, jumping into the quote unquote swinger world or the non-monogamous space. Mm -hmm. And now, so did you meet each other on a kink website? <laughs> so it was actually on Craigslist Casual Encounters. That's where I got all my guests. Years ago, that's where I got all my guests. That's how my show started. By I didn't know where to look for guests for my show. It wasn't going to be a sex podcast. And I just went onto Craigslist and I posted in the personals because it was free. And I it was like hitting gold. I got millions of people emailing me with all these crazy stories. And that's how my show came about. <laughs> but I know how, you know, th that's, that was like the place to, to go when you, you know, if you were looking for anything alternative at the time, right? Well, it certainly was for me. I knew of no other site. So right. that was my go-to. And I mean, of course, I received hundreds of responses and most of them <laughs> were absolutely horrible. Mm -hmm. uh, but Brian's message was so eloquent and thoughtful. And even though I was specifically looking for kind of kinky, sexy things, he reached out to me like I was a human being. And yeah. what's really interesting, though, is we did not expect to be in a relationship. In fact, I think we both fought it hard. Because we were both coming out of long-term relationships. We were in this time of exploration. We didn't want to feel chained to anyone. And me especially having this experience of, no of complete monogamy and vanilla relationships leading mm -hmm. up to this. I'm like, I'm not doing that again. So we, we fought it hard. And, uh, you know, nature takes its course. You just kind of fall in love at the weirdest times sometimes. <laughs> yeah, when you're not looking for it, right? But so what what do you think was going on with you, Brenna, that you all of a sudden went from being, I would say maybe you just said like a vanilla person or involved in that kind of lifestyle to really cross the line and, you know, get into all the things maybe that you've just been fantasizing about? I would have answered this very differently a couple of years ago, but mm -hmm. I think I've always been not a vanilla person. I right. think I've always been kinky. I think I've always had this part of me that just wanted to burst out and be my true sexy self. Mm -hmm. But I think I kept finding myself over and over again in these incredibly vanilla, I would say boring relationships. And I felt like that was what was expected of me. I grew up in rural Montana, so I didn't know of any other options. I didn't know that people were non-monogamous. I didn't right. know that people 
were into BDSM. Like I figured that those things that I wanted, those desires were weird. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I just, it took a little bit longer for me to understand that it was okay. And I could go after the things that I wanted to. And I was, I was out of a divorce. I spent, a, you know, seven or eight months really exploring the BDSM world after that, because mm-hmm. I just had all of these fantasies and I needed an outlet for it. Right now, are you the dom or the sub? I think you're the sub, right? <laughs> oh, I actually switch with partners. I mean, with Brian, I am definitely the more submissive one. Mm-hmm. I, we refer to ourselves as top and bottom because I'm not necessarily subservient to him in any way. I'm uh-huh. not that person. Uh, way too strong-willed for that shit. But I definitely prefer a little bit of submission in the bedroom, yes. Yeah, I find a lot of the times, and of course nothing is ever, you know, 100% one way or the other, but I do find a lot that when I'm talking to people, you know, if typically people who are very alpha or dominant in their regular life, they tend to like the opposite. So a lot of times it's that, oh, the CEO of the Fortune 500 company is, you know, loves to be the sub. So I don't know if that is the case with you guys. I just find that I hear that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. It's an escape. I mean, mm-hmm. when I met Brian, I was a fairly uh, high-powered businesswoman right. and, you know, was managing a lot of people and had a lot of balls in the air. So, yeah, there was definitely this desire to just relinquish all of that control and get lost in somebody else's sexual energy. And Brian's the perfect person for that because he is also with a capital A and uh, it's really <laughs> easy for him to take the reins. So it, it was so fun exploring that in the beginning. And it was also fun to see it go off in so many different directions as far as, as us getting into a lot of areas of exploration, not just BDSM. Right. So how did that happen? Like where? Did, so it started with the BDSM. You guys started to hook up and then those conversations started about all these other things that you guys were into? Yeah, it started out as, uh, you know, us talking about the things that we wanted to, you know, get out of our relationship sexually what our fantasies were the conversation went to you know what is it that you want to see and you know uh, one of the things was instantly Brenna wanted to see me with another woman and right away I retorted with well I'd really like to see you with another man and Mm -hmm. that's from there 10 days later we had our first hot wife experience (laughs) oh there you go (laughs) (laughs) you were both ready that's awesome Brenna did you have any kind of reservations about being with another man or was that something that you were also totally down for? I definitely had reservations. I mean, there were, I was kind of getting pulled in two different directions. Mm -hmm. One side of me was going, this sounds so hot. I want to do this because my partner thinks it would be hot and I want to share this with him. And the other side of me is going good women, quote unquote, don't do these types of things, right? right? If you want to do these types of things, there is something wrong with you because you have all of this societal expectation on you, especially as a woman. So yeah, I was definitely being torn. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until we had the experience, I had the experience and, and kind of shared it with Brian in terms of him watching. And then the next day, we were so close. We were closer than we had ever been before. And we had this amazing conversation where I told him I've never felt so close to someone in my entire life. I love that we shared this together. And Brian agreed. And it was like, well, then it just makes sense. If it's right for us, then it makes sense, no matter what anyone else thinks. And and we really didn't look back from there. But I, during the encounter, it was very kind of trepidatious for me, I would say. Yeah, right. It's the Madonna whore thing that you always worry about, right? Like, if you do see me that way, would that maybe change your mind? And what probably made you feel comfortable doing this with 
Brian is because of, like you said, that initial contact with him was so different. I mean, there was something else going on. He, like you said, he was treating you like a person, even though you guys were meeting in a very sexual way, right? That and Brian is probably the most sex positive person you could ever meet. I mean, our conversations leading up to that were, you know, him supporting me in all things that I wanted to do, never judging me. I've never once in the entire time I've been with Brian ever felt judged by him. So there was a lot of comfort in that. I felt safe being able to explore. I don't think I ever would have been able to do that with a person prior to Brian. Right. And that was right off the bat. You guys felt comfortable with each other. Yeah, absolutely. And now that, and now that first time that you saw him with the woman, you, you had brought that up to him that that was something that you wanted to do. You obviously hadn't done that before. And was it really hot for you the first time? Did you have any conflicting feelings in the beginning? I didn't have any conflicting feelings. I loved it. I thought it was very sexy to see my partner from a removed viewpoint, right? Mm -hmm. Because when I'm having sex with Ryan, it's amazing. And I have all of these sensations, but I don't get to really see what it's like to be with him, to be slightly removed. So that first time was actually, we were with a couple and we were playing on the same bed and I saw him with this beautiful woman. They were, you know, she was lying next to me while Brian was pleasing her and doing all sorts of wonderful things to her. And seeing how much pleasure he was giving someone else was mm-hmm. a huge turn on to me because it felt like I was sharing something that was so erotic and amazing with another person. Right. And then there's the whole visual aspect of it as well. If you're like, have a little bit of a voyeur in you to actually be able to see it. Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. The, the unfortunate thing when it comes to that is uh, we are we have a difficult time concentrating <laughs> on the person that we're with when we're watching each other. So we really don't play together. We, we play separately for that reason. I, I can't focus. Brenna can't focus if we're watching each other. We don't really pay the requisite you know, t- you know respect to the person we're with uh, in that moment. Oh, interesting. And so I guess you guys learned that early on. Good news. Strictly Anonymous Podcast is looking for people to call into the show. So if you lead an interesting, naughty secret life that you want to talk about while remaining anonymous or not anonymous, if you're out and proud, that's cool too. Send me an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. That's strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. Or go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.com. Dot com and click on be on the show. If you have a short confession that you want to get off your back, call my confessions hotline 347-420-3579. That's 347-420-3579. You could call that number 24-7. I change all the voices on the confessions too. So you remain anonymous. The number, the website, and the email address will all be in the description. Yeah, I wouldn't say early on. I, I think well, okay. <laughs> I kept pushing because the thing in this the swinging lifestyle is that it is very much a heteronormative society. It's very much a couple for couple type thing where mm-hmm. you know a man and woman swap with another man and woman, and it's in the same room. And there was a lot of expectation around that in the beginning to kind of fit that mold. And so we kept going into interactions with other couples, playing with them in the same room. And every single time it was like, yeah, this isn't that great. We could do better. 
And it wasn't until probably, I don't know, a year and a half ago, maybe, that we decided we needed to switch things up. And, and that's when we started playing primarily separately. And it was amazing for us. It changed everything. Yeah, it's oh. like, it was like trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. It just, it was, you know, we had some really great experiences and we made some amazing friends. But the truth is, it, it was like chasing the dragon, right? We kept looking for the same feeling we had, for example, when Brenna played alone for that first time. And we, we simply weren't able to acquire it playing with couples. It just didn't work when we were in the same room together, not, the, not to the same degree. And then, of course, you know, intermittently we would play separately, or Brenna would play separately, certainly, and then that feeling would come rushing back. And it was just obvious that, that we were not conventional. You know, we were not a, a couple-for-couple couple, uh, players in this space. But how compatible, because you're, you both like exactly the same thing. Yeah, we're very fortunate in that way. It's, you know, mm-hmm. we, we do know some couples that, that struggle with that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're very lucky. With that. Yeah. Now, we can play with a couple, and we have. Uh, as I said, we've made some amazing friends that are couples, but it has to be a very unique situation. Uh, it's not an easy, uh, that's our unicorn for sure. Uh, finding a couple that we really mesh with, that we can play with together, uh, where we're not completely. Uh, separated by focus uh, of each other it's very difficult so you haven't found that yet or sometimes it works for a little bit i mean maybe not i don't even know has it ever worked yeah i mean typically actually every single time they have been people that are dear friends of ours and have been for a long time yeah we feel so comfortable with them and Mm -hmm. we don't feel like we need to put on any sort of a show or explain ourselves or feel weird. We're just so comfortable doing what comes naturally. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, we have two, I guess two couples really that we have played with primarily in the same room and it works, but it's just not, I guess we should say we don't seek it out. If it happens, it happens. That's great. But we're certainly not looking for it when we go out into the world. No. In fact, the two best experiences two of the best experiences we've had with couples mm-hmm. have been our friends and they have been soft swap situations and those are in your top two with couples with couples yes mm-hmm. absolutely right absolutely. So, so that friendship makes a difference it makes all the difference now what about the people that you you know see on the side do you have relationships with them or do they tend to be the same person how do you guys navigate that Yeah, so we're primarily at this point in our journey a hot wife couple, which means I am the one that is going out and playing with other people, usually men, Mm -hmm. and I am kind of bringing that all back to Brian, all that sexual energy and eroticism, and then we reconnect and have these explosive sessions together afterwards, and I tell him about the things that happened, and it's just, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. And what we have found is that I'm not opposed to one-off situations where I, I just meet a guy and, you know, maybe we have a couple of hours of conversation and then I'm playing with him, but it doesn't do the same thing for me or us as me having a regular play partner. Yeah. And so, I mean, this is somebody that is truly a friend, you know, mm-hmm. often I'll go out and have a drink with them or we will go out and have a drink with them or dinner and maybe sex is part of that evening and maybe it's not, but I am consistently seeing the same people over and over again. 
for example, here in Florida, I have two people that I play with almost on a weekly basis, Mm -hmm. but we also just went to dinner with one of them Friday night and had an amazing conversation and there was no sex afterwards. So it's, uh, I, I prefer that. I prefer the friends with benefits concept because I can really get comfortable with people and I can feel that they think of me as more than just a sex object. Like mm-hmm. I want them to appreciate me as a person. And, and I found that many times, actually I've had several regular play partners that are lifelong friends of both myself and Brian. And the truth is the connection gets that much better when the relationship is stronger, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. have, you know, that, even if you admit someone for the, you know, you're, you're dating someone, that first awkward kind of sexual encounter, it always seems to get better over time, right? Because Absolutely. you, you genuinely develop a relationship and an understanding of someone. This is no different. You know, when, when you get to know somebody uh, for who they really are, things become more relaxed. Guards get dropped. You start to appreciate each other more. And then that, that physical portion of your relationship just improves. Absolutely. So, I mean, would you be considered, Brenna, like a cuck queen because you do like to sometimes see him with women too? Is that like what that would mean? Or because you're saying you don't see women now on the side, just Brenna does see guys? So Brian is not currently playing with anyone else. I mean, he absolutely could. I just think that it's kind of the natural course of our journey right now that he's not. Mm -hmm. Uh, he, He very likely will again. Um, as far as me being a, a cuck queen, maybe yeah. a little bit. I wouldn't yeah. necessarily classify myself as such, but yeah. I probably have some cuck queen tendencies. Yeah, right. I'm more of a I'm a situational type player. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm also not. I, I, I'm looking for something very specific when it comes to my play partners. And should someone uh, come along that makes some sense for me, then then absolutely I would. But the truth is, we are really focusing heavily on the hot wife space, which is what speaks to both of us the most, it's the strongest kind of, uh, has the most effect on us viscerally, I think, from a sexual perspective. Uh, So that's really where the focus is. That's not to say that I won't play again Mm -hmm. or won't play with our friends and that kind of thing, Uh, but certainly it is situational. I don't seek it out um, like Brenna does in terms of uh, her play partners. Right, and now that's what you do on your podcast. You guys talking about your own experiences, correct? Yeah, I mean, we definitely share the play-by-plays because it's sexy and mm-hmm. people want to hear it. But mm-hmm. we also share all of our experiences, whether they're good or bad, because we want it to be a realistic view as well. I think yeah. the reason that our Hot Wife episodes and yours as well probably do as well as they do is because it's this fantasy. And once yeah. again, it's this thing that's, that women shouldn't want to do, right? If you want to be sexually explorative with multiple men and you're a partnered woman, that's a very taboo thing. And so I think taboo excites people and they want to know more and they want to fantasize about it. But we want to provide the realistic views of it, too. Like, what are the downfalls? What are the things that are going to come along that are going to smack you in the face that you totally didn't expect? So that's really why we started the podcast to begin with, to talk about all of it, the good, the bad, the complete train wrecks and everything in between. Yeah, I always say I make jokes like I love a swingers gone wrong story, but only because it's like a learning experience for people that sometimes it's not a straight shot and everything's great. Like you said, you did have some reservations at first, a lot of time, you know, and some conflicting feelings about it. But how you got past that is always important. What would you say are the pitfalls or the downfalls that you guys tell people about or have experienced yourself? 
I think our biggest pitfall has come from other people. Brian and I are so communicative with each other and mm -hmm. we're always on the same page because we talk endlessly about things, but we've run into couples that don't do the same. And those have been by far the biggest train wrecks that we've run into where there <laughs> yeah. is obviously some tension or jealousy or weirdness or drama on their end that bleeds into the interaction and obviously causes everyone to not have a good time. Right. And then from the hot wifing perspective, I think it's only fair to talk about single men. You know, there are a lot of guys out there who assume certain things about a sex positive woman or assume that they can speak to a sex positive woman in a certain way. And they don't have experience with hot wives. And as a result, it's usually pretty train wrecky. Well, they also don't have experience with and have a very, uh, diluted view of what the male portion of that couple looks like. The single guys a lot of times get in this space thinking this is going to be an easy way for me to get laid. Mm -hmm. uh, what they don't realize is, is that we are a couple. We function as a couple uh, regardless of whether I am present or not. And I am very rarely, if ever, present when Brenna plays. I make myself scarce. But the bottom line is you are going to interact with me. You are very likely going to meet me first, and we are going to have a conversation. And a lot of guys are not comfortable with that idea. They don't know how to speak to a couple. And in some cases, to their own demise, they right. tend to be disrespectful in a lot of ways. Uh, and that just simply doesn't work. Have you? Are you always upfront with everybody about what the deal is and what you're doing? Oh, very much. Mm -hmm. uh, for, probably more than anyone would assume. I mean, we lay everything out for guys. Yeah. I never want to deceive anyone because I don't want to be deceived. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the other side of it is we go a step further. I really make sure and do my due diligence. Of course, I can't ever 100% eliminate this possibility, but I make sure these guys aren't cheating. Right. You know, if, for example, they are a partnered person who has permission to play solo, I want to talk to your partner. I want to see them face to face. I want to know that they're 100% okay with this. I just, I feel like we call this consensual non-monogamy for a reason. Mm -hmm. And if any of it is underground, then it's not consensual. So uh, we, we really, really work hard to make sure that everyone knows what's going on at all times. Yeah, we want everyone involved in our space to understand our dynamic and, and how we approach things. It's it's just it's important when it comes to dealing with people, uh, you know, in this sphere because, you know, there are other folks at, uh, at other people's lives at play. You know, mm -hmm. we're a couple. Yeah, uh, if something affects Brendan, it affects me, and, and uh, you know, vice versa. So it's important that our play partners understand that uh, and that we function as a unit. Even if we play separately, we still function as a unit. Right. And now because like, I mean, you guys have a Twitter, you also have an OnlyFan, a Patreon. We'll give out all that information. I'll put links below for all of that. I and you know, you have an Instagram where you could see your guy's face. You're obviously not anonymous. I mean, everybody knows about the fact that you guys are in the lifestyle, including your family, friends. I mean, Brenna, you said you were, you know, in a high power position. Uh, are you still in that position? Do people know? I mean, wh what has happened since you guys really came out? Because your show is successful. Yeah, we do this full time. We are mm -hmm. full time podcasters, full time content creators, yeah. full time uh, non monogamous folks. Yeah. So we have nothing to hide. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone that is important in our lives knows about us. Everyone that meets us will know about us. We are, are not hiding anything. Right. You know, we both spent a very long time being in positions 
whether it be with work or family or whatever, where we were hiding our true selves. Yeah. And that is exhausting. We mm-hmm. are simply not going to do that anymore. And I think the other side of it is we're proud. I'm proud that I have found what works for myself and my partner. I'm proud to be in a happy and healthy relationship, even if other people don't fully understand it. So we're not hiding. This is who we are. Yeah, we're not... Uh... We're not the folks hiding behind a curtain, that's for sure. We jumped right out, um, you know, make no, and we make no bones about it. We, uh, you know, we don't apologize for who we are. We're just not going to do that. Right, and you're also helping other people by putting it out there as well. Absolutely. Yeah, we like to think that we're in some ways normalizing it because, like I said, a lot of this is very taboo, mm-hmm. and while that can be sexy, it can also be kind of debilitating because taboo often leads to shame, right? Yeah. If you mm-hmm. if you see something as taboo, it means it's shameful somehow, and therefore you shouldn't want it or you shouldn't desire it. And it, we just don't believe that. We feel like everyone should be validated for what they want as long as it's consensual. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I always feel like I'm anonymous on my show. I've been doing my show for seven years. You know, I get emails from people, and I'm sure you guys do, like thanking me, like you helped me, you helped me feel like not a freak. Because there are still so many people out there who are living double lives. And like you said, it is exhausting to do that. Yeah, it it really is. And, you know, I mean, it's it's beyond just even the non-monogamous part of it. You know, Brian has come out to our listeners and to anyone that follows us anywhere as a pansexual man, which is also incredibly taboo, even in the non-monogamous world. Right. You know, it, it's um, acceptable or even understood that a lot of women in the lifestyle are going to be bisexual or, or interested in multiple genders. Yeah. Uh, for men, it's still very underground. So I'm so proud of him for that. And I'm, I think our listeners are very appreciative of the fact that we are as transparent as we are. It hasn't always been easy, but it's definitely worth it when you, like you said, get those messages where you truly help someone yeah because that's what it's about um now what is pansexual that is like it's how is it different than bisexual i get so confused with all the terms sure pansexual basically means that you're open to multiple genders so that would be inclusive for example of people that identify as Mm non-binary um so brian basically it it means that you are attracted to a person you're not attracted to whatever their gender is right yeah i tell people all the time kathy or at least i try to explain it this way if you're pansexual, you're probably bisexual, too. It's kind of like cognac and brandy. You know, mm-hmm. every all cognac is brandy, but not all brandy is cognac. Right. If that makes any sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And now, is this something that you discovered after you hooked up with Brenna and you guys started to explore different things together? Or was this something that you knew and had explored before? No, I had never explored it before, but I always, I say always, for a good period of time in my life, I had the idea that I wasn't necessarily straight. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know exactly what that meant. And it wasn't until uh, Brenna and I really, you know, became partners and we were completely open with each other that uh, exploring that part of me made more sense. I, you know, I knew it, Brenna knew it, certainly that there was more to me than just a you know heterosexual person. Yeah. And so, you know, having a partner that's supportive is one of the, you know, the greatest uh, things you can have in a situation like that being you know, a 51-year-old man, mm-hmm. not 100% certain as to, you know, what my sexual identity was going to be. Right, but always knowing in the back of your mind that something else was going on, but not really feeling comfortable enough For to sure. put it out there. Oh, yeah, not understanding it fully, mm-hmm. not really yeah. dissecting it entirely, but knowing, yeah, there, there's something there. I just don't know quite what it is. 
Did you guys ever hear of Dr. Joe Court? I, he was like the guy that went viral on TikTok because he, you know, he's like here to say that, you know, a guy, a straight man could fool around with a guy and doesn't necessarily mean he's bisexual. And I have to tell you, I've had a lot of guys on my show who will be like, oh, I like to occasionally fool around with a guy or I just like to give blowjobs, but I don't, but I'm not bi and I'm not into men at all, you know, so it could get like really confusing. I think pansexual is more broad, right? As a, uh, of a term. Yeah, we, we ha we've had that conversation actually with a couple of guys that say the same. They, yeah. you know, they are, you know, situationally bisexual, yeah. that type of thing. You know, for me, I'm just sexually open. I mm -hmm. mean, we both are. Um, I'm, not closed off to any gender yeah. uh, or anything in terms of, you know, sexuality. So, you know, I think once you've gotten to the point where you are open to any possibility, I don't know that you need to put a label on it. I think labels are for the benefit of other people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't think there's any hard and fast label that makes all the sense in the world to me. Yeah, it gets really confusing. You know, I'm not in the lifestyle. I remember seeing um, a movie called The Lifestyle. I'm 52. This was like back in the day, like, you know, 30 years ago. It was a very popular documentary about swingers. And it was like fascinating. And to me, that was always like as far as, far as being like an, a fully evolved person, right? To me, that was the top of the mountain. If you could get to the point where, you know, you could be in love with somebody but not own them sexually and be very free to do whatever you want, right? If you're a curious person, explore everything um, with a partner within a relationship. Like I said to me, that was the top of the evolution mountain. You know, that's like what I always wanted to be. I've never been there because I'm not I'm not in a relationship right now. But I think it's like really great that at, at any time, you know, you guys started it. I mean, Brian, you're 51. I don't know how old you are, Brenna, but it's not necessarily just because you've been vanilla your whole life or you've had a certain relationship. I mean, you that could start at any time. Yeah, that's just, you know, that's just one more component to our relationship now that you mentioned it. I'm 51, Brenna's mm -hmm. 31, so right. we have a 20-year age gap. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and when you talk about people, you know, that have age gaps and then you consider the fact that we are non-monogamous and uh, sexually open and we, you know, we have an open relationship and all the things that go along with who we are as a couple, um, you know, people definitely get confused by it. But the truth is, I, like you mentioned, Kathy, I think when you've reached a pinnacle to the point where you are uh, sexually open, you are allowing your partner also to explore themselves sexually uh, without judgment, mm -hmm. uh, and without hesitation. Yeah. I think you both will develop a greater appreciation for one another uh, and for your relationship. You know, I, I think there's a big part of me that appreciates Brenna for who she is because of now, I mean, frankly, how empowered she is uh, as a person and as a, as a woman, because, you know, when we first met, she wasn't quite that way. She wasn't going to be the first one at a party to introduce herself to people and to be the light of the room, essentially. Mm -hmm. uh, but now she is. I mean, right. Brenna is now. She's learned her voice. Uh, and I think it's largely due to our non-monogamous journey. Right. And fully being, I think the more you're fully yourself, the more confident you are. I think sometimes when you're carrying around a secret life or you have all these thoughts about yourself, maybe that, you know, you're not presenting, you know, it, it, it could affect your confidence. Right. And the more you're open with yourself and, you know, it's free. There's something very freeing about that. Oh, there absolutely is. Yeah, it's very liberating, especially, yeah. I mean, 
not to genderize it, but as a woman specifically, yeah, I mean, there, like I said earlier, there are all of these expectations placed on who you are supposed to be, yeah, especially as a sexual person, mm-hmm. and to let go of all of that and just live your life and do what thing, do what feels natural and and genuine to who you are. It opens up your eyes to all of the areas that you have been, you know, maybe not 100% your authentic self. And and that's absolutely what's happened in our relationship. Like Brian said, I'm more confident. I'm much more assertive. Mm-hmm. I am much more gregarious. It, it really does. It's not a an isolated thing. It's a very holistic way of looking at your life when you change or or alter who you are as a sexual person. Yeah, and for me, you know, I, being 51 also... Uh, you know, I've never really gave a shit much about what people thought about me. You took me, you you didn't, don't really care. I don't put a lot of stock in that. Yeah. But being able to come out, you know, uh, as, as a sexual person, obviously, and, uh, you know, open sexuality, it was an easier, I think, transition for me, because again, I don't, I don't put a lot of efficacy into what people think of me. Um, but it it isn't, it's not easy. And I, I am often reached out to by listeners Guys just like me who are in relationships, committed relationships, have been for many years who are mm-hmm. in their 40s, 50s, and 60s who find, the, you know, the, through our conversations, the confidence to come out to their partners as well. Uh, and that's huge for me. I, I yes. don't, as I said, don't care what people think about me. But if I can help somebody find their identity, I think that's uh, that's great. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Brenna, you're lucky that, you know, at 30 or even younger, right? Because you're 31 now, you've been doing this for a couple of years. You've been able to be sexually free and release yourself of all the stigmas. And you live in a different time, right? But there's a lot of people like you say, Brian, in their 40s and 50s and 60s. And a lot of times I'm talking to those people who have been living a double life, a secret life their whole life and they're just feeling yeah. uh you know uh ready or wanting to talk about it or let it you know be more open about it like you have right at 50 um but there you weren't you could never do that back in the time when we were growing up i remember as we were getting older as 50 something year olds like when when it became okay for women to sleep with other women. I mean, it was even, that was even a stigma for a while, but then it became like popular, right? But that changed over time. And yeah. I think it needs to happen for the guy on guy action. Cause I can't tell you how many times I'm talking to a guy and he'll be like, yeah, I like to suck a dick, but I'm not gay. And I'm always kind of like, well, what does that mean? Like it would big deal if you were gay. I don't know. It kind of like, it always rubs me the wrong way. Cause it's like, there's still this thing. Like the guys are so afraid that it means that they're gay. And why is that a bad thing? And, and a lot of times that's not the case, but what is the problem with that anyway? You know, there's still a, you know, crossing of swords is still like really frowned upon. Well, particularly when you talk about our generation, for yeah. example, you know, we're both, I guess, 51. Yeah. You know, I think back to, you know, fortunately, I grew up in a household that was not like that. We were very open, very progressive. Um, you know, it wasn't, I was not at all, no one was held back in terms of sexuality. I just yeah. didn't know at that time where, where I was headed. But the truth is, I remember you know, friends and family members, extended family, uh, you know, having conversations, you know, growing up in the 70s and 80s, uh, the idea that if you were a gay man, you were somehow less masculine. Yes. I think that still holds true. People 100%. Like you said, oh, well, I'm not gay, but, you know, I, I like to suck cock once in a while, but that doesn't make me gay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but even if you were, so what? You, can't, yeah. you can't still hold on to some level of, of masculinity. Right. I, I mean, it doesn't even make sense. But that, that's that mindset, right? We have a hard time getting our heads around that. Uh, and I think if a lot of a lot more 50 plus year olds uh, got themselves around it, we'd be a better place. Yeah. And I do find I have a lot of guys that are calling me up 
And they're like, you know, they're around 50. I think maybe that's like the midlife time for a guy, you know. I think for women, 40 is a big milestone. But for a lot of guys, I find that at around 50, they're just like so sick of living you know, a secret life and they want to let their freak flag fly. And a lot of guys do that at 50. Maybe they've got out of that, you know, that first marriage and now they're like, they don't want to get in a relationship that same way. Right. They get in like you did just fully open right off the bat. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, good for them. I I remember, as you mentioned, it's funny. You think back to, I think back to the eighties, seeing two women kiss each other in a club was the biggest thing, right? Like yeah, a couple yeah. of gals having a cocktail and they kiss each other in the club. Holy shit. The place would go into, yeah. they'd have, it'd be a frenzy. Mm-hmm. And you know, the idea of two men doing it was out of the question. Totally. And I, we just got to get our heads out of that. You know, the, the guys that are now their forties, fifties and sixties, uh, you know, you, you've got to break out of that. It's just, you know, be who you are. And I, and I think everyone's going to be a lot better off for it. Yeah, and I love that, you know, women are feeling more comfortable too to not only just, you know, forget about the women-women action, that's okay, but that women like Brenna and other people and OnlyFans is like big and people are on there and they're like, this is what who I am and I'm a sex worker and I'm proud of it and people are like, I'm a woman and I love sex and, you know, because when I was growing up, I didn't, re- I rarely had relationships, but I slept around. I always liked to have sex. I wasn't like a... Uh, I had all kinds of different relationships, but I was, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I heard like, oh, Kathy, you're not like the girl you marry. You're like the girl you fuck. You know, (laughs) it was always like I was the minority at that time, you know, and I'm talking about back in the day because like when I was growing up and when I was younger, women only had sex with guys that they were either in a, when they had to be in a relationship with them. Um, And thank God that's not the case anymore. And women are coming out as like just sexual beings. Yeah, it's beautiful to see, especially, you know, I I have a sister that's significantly younger than me, and to see the Gen Zers coming up behind me Mm -hmm. that are even more sexually open and, you know, thoughtful of these things, it's, I think it it bodes well for us all. I really do think that that generation is going to come up and have an influence on the way that we see sexuality and the way that we interact with each other in a sexual way, and I'm, I'm really optimistic. Yeah, me too, yeah, for so sure. Much. It's so different now out there, right? I'm always like, I was born in the wrong generation. Like all the girls now are like how I was when I was younger. But when I was younger, I was like an oddity, right? I was the minority. And now I would be a part of the majority. It's very different. And I think that that's, that's great. Agreed. <laughs> so Brenna, so tell us, tell me some hot stories or like, I mean, let's first of all, tell people where to find you guys. I mean, you guys are on OnlyFans too, right? What's on your OnlyFans if people want to join? Ah, it's spicy. You know, I don't do um, anything hardcore. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say hardcore porn. Uh, it's more soft stuff, but it's, uh, I do put some videos up with my play partners, which is fun for people to see. They, they realize they're real people and, you know, I'm, I'm not just uh, choreographing scenes for the sake of OnlyFans. These yeah. are very uh, organic experiences I'm having. And I also just present myself on there as a very sexual person. I really open up to people about masturbation and about lingerie and toys. And it gives, I think, a lot of people, and the reason I say this is because I have a lot of women on there that follow me, uh, that love to see, you know, what I'm wearing and what I'm using for toys that day. So I, I really just open myself up as a sexual person there, much like we do on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, we, like I said, we're very transparent people and we want to just invite people into our world so that they can 
potentially normalize some of this in their minds. Um, but you can find everything to do with us, all of our shows, um, all of our content, everything at frontporchswingers.com. That'll give you the links to, to pretty much everything that we do. Right. And so if they want to see more explicit stuff, they go to your OnlyFans, but they could also hear all your stories on your podcast. Now, absolutely. Right. And so now, Brenna, do you hook up with girls too? I mean, are you open that way? I am. Yes. I'm very particular with women. Mm -hmm. Uh, I find myself attracted to fewer women than I do men, but I am absolutely, I identify as bisexual. And yeah, I love to play with ladies, the right ladies. (laughs) Right. And now do you do that when you guys are together and you're swapping or do you also, would you do that solo play as well? We have definitely done threesomes with women, um, but I have just recently had my first solo female experience. I played with a few couples as well as their single lady for the night. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this recent female on female solo play that I did really opened my eyes to the possibilities of, of my play with women. And I think I will end up doing a lot more of that. It's very different than having a man in the room. It, It creates a different energy. So I'm excited to explore that more. Right. So that was your first time, the the solo. Yes, yes. And now, does was that enjoyable for the stag at home to hear about that, Brian? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I also know the gal that Breno was with. In fact, I have been with her myself, mm-hmm. and she's incredibly sexy. So I could only imagine in my mind while I was waiting for her to get back yeah. what was going on because, of course, I was I'm intimately familiar with both ladies. Right. Uh, so, yeah, very, very sexy to me. Uh, and the idea that, you know, Brenna could also, you know, enjoy a woman that way. And, of course, I saw pictures. And so that was really hot. Uh, so, you know, it opens up my mind a little bit to what might be possible. Uh, the truth is I am always interested in her play with men. Mm-hmm. But this particular session was also very hot, predominantly, I think, because I am familiar with the gal she played with. Right. Cause so you had a visual and as well, she took pictures. Yeah. yeah but I, also, as, as, as I said, I've also, I also know that gal. She's mm-hmm. a friend. I have played with her solo. Right. And she's super sexy. So, you know, I could visualize the two of them together. It was very easy for me. Do you typically Brenna take like videos or pictures to, to bring home when you're even with the guys? It really depends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've done a little bit of everything. I've yeah. done some naughty audio, which as podcasters is kind of fun for us to experience, experiment right. with. So I've done that in the past. Uh, I've done pictures and videos. I think often I really like to just get lost in the experience with someone else. Right. Um, so it's not typical, but we've kind of done a little bit of everything as far as that goes. Right. And when you're with those guys and you know that Brian's home waiting for you and knows what you're doing, is that a part of the turn on for you as well? That's what I would think. A hundred percent. Yes. The most of the time I'm thinking, what is Brian doing right now? What right. is he thinking? Mm-hmm. I'm also thinking about how explosive things are going to be when I get back to him because right. every single time I return to him, it just gets hotter and hotter and hotter. And so that's always in the back of my mind too. Like I'm, I'm gearing up for a treat when I get home. <laughs> Right. And that's what I've heard across the board, you know, from the couples that do do it and do it successfully. And and I think it's what's surprising to most people is that it strengthens the relationship and creates better sex with the couples. 
I mean, it could go yeah, wrong for sure. for sure, like you said, with the couples that are, you know, where, they, where they're not really communicative with each other and they're not open or they've done it too soon or they don't have, you know, their boundaries aren't clear. You know, I've heard some bad stories, but I think when it works, it's because of those yeah, reasons. Yeah, when it works, mm-hmm. it really works. Right, and it yeah, does it, help a, the relationship. For sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you have a healthy relationship to begin with, yeah, uh, then yes. Like a lot of things, if your relationship is not the best, uh, this uh, you know we do not suggest going down this road by any means. This is not going to fix your relationship, right? And so, what would be some tips that you would give couples? You know, whether it's the couple who, I mean, I would think that one of your tips is going to be you know be completely open and honest when you start in a relationship. But what about the people that have been I mean because you guys started it right from the beginning you were very open with who you guys were what you were looking for so I think that that's an easy sell but what happened what about the couple that you know have been together they're very vanilla and maybe the guy wants his wife to be a hot wife I mean how what tips do you give that couple as far as how to you know get into the lifestyle yeah, well, I, I think in the scenario that you're talking about, often we, I cannot count the number of emails that we have received mm-hmm. from guys that say, how do I talk my partner yeah. into doing this? Yes. And our answer is you don't talk your partner into doing anything mm-hmm. that's coercion and you're a bad person if you do uh, that. Right. You, oh, rather, you should bring up this topic with your partner and you know potentially try to provide some resources mm-hmm. to give them an idea of what true non-monogamy is because often people have all of these misconceptions based on porn or one movie that they saw 15 years ago right. and they don't have a realistic idea of what it means to be a non-monogamous couple. So mm-hmm. if you provide them things like podcasts and books and Uh, other resources that are from legitimate non-monogamous people, you know, at least start opening those lines of dialogue. And instead of trying to talk them into it, just, you know, bring up the conversation. I mean, the hardest thing that you can do in this lifestyle, the hardest thing you can do to get into the lifestyle is to just open your mouth that very first time and talk about it. Right. And I understand the vulnerability it takes to do that. Mm -hmm. But the flip side of that is if you never do it, you're just living in, you know, not your true self, not your true form your entire life and not being completely open with your partner. So you have to start that conversation, do it with some research behind it, some resources that you can provide and never try to talk your partner into anything. Right. And also like, how did you did as far as like going to swingers clubs? And I mean, I, cause I have heard sometimes like people will just go and like maybe take the pressure off that you don't even have to do anything. Right. You could just go and just kind of be voyeurs. I mean, did you start at swingers clubs? Like how early into things did you guys go? Is that what started it for you? Did you start solo play again at first? Like how did it start off again with between the two of you? Yeah, so we didn't go to clubs in the beginning because Mm -hmm. there were no clubs. We were in Montana, so our options were very limited, Mm -hmm. and we had to be really creative with the way that we met people. Yeah, The club thing is a double-edged sword. Part of it is, yes, you can definitely go and and get an idea of the environment, and it's very no pressure. You're never expected to play at a club, right? so you can really just kind of soak in the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. But the flip side of that is a lot of people that are non-monogamous are not interested in that club environment. They don't want to be around loud, booming music and people drinking too much. And that's kind of the category we fit into. Mm -hmm. Uh, We go on occasion, but it's really not our main source of play because that's not the environment that speaks to us. 
So I would say give it a try. Go see it for yourself and see what it's like. If for no other reason, then it'll give you a little bit better idea of some of the things that are out there. But also don't limit yourself. Um, There's a lot of different ways to be non-monogamous. There's a lot of different ways to find people that make sense for you. So don't box yourself in and don't assume that just because everyone else is talking about going to the clubs or the big events, that means that that's how you have to be if you want to be non-monogamous. And now that Craigslist doesn't exist, what are the resources or where do you direct people to go to find other like-minded couples? There are a lot of lifestyle uh, sites out there, specific lifestyle sites. Mm -hmm. They're very regional. So the best one for a person is going to be based on where they're at. Right. Um, We use Cassidy.com because it's, uh, they're awesome. And because it's one of the more reputable ones. Um, But yeah, I mean, if you type in swinger site, you're going to get a lot of different options. And we always tell people, make sure you're paying. The free ones are full of bots and fakes, and you're going to have a horrible experience. So free doesn't mean anything in this lifestyle space. Oh, that's Um, interesting. That's a good tip. Uh huh. Yeah. And I think the other thing is, yeah, you can use the lifestyle sites to kind of get your foot in the door. But the biggest part about the lifestyle is that it's very social. So Start networking with people. Start, you know, if you meet one couple, ask them if they can put you in touch with other couples or mm-hmm. other singles that might make sense for you. You really have to think of this as like a, a new world of social experiences for you rather than just, you know, going into it specifically for the sex. If you do that, I think you're going to be disappointed and you're not going to find the opportunities that are available to you. Right. And now what did you guys like start off with any kind of boundaries? And then did those change over time? Did you have any rules going in? You know, we had some rules. I think most of them went by the wayside pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of our rules in the beginning were my rules and they were because I was kind of uncomfortable. Like I remember the very first time we started talking about doing anything with someone else. It was me with another gentleman, and I told Brian, like, I only want to perform oral. I don't want penetrative sex. Yeah. And that changed within a couple of days. And then when we had our first experience, other ones went by the wayside. At this point, we don't really have any hard and fast rules aside from condom usage Mm -hmm. Um, and safety. I mean, I have to let Brian know where I'm at, and he has to, you know, be able to contact me and those types of things um, only because he wants me to be safe and, and those types of things. So. Yeah, I mean, our, our boundaries at this point are around safety only. We tell people a lot of times that, you know, set up your rules, set up your boundaries, and set up as many of them as you want in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You, can, you know, you can always remove them. Easier to remove than add. Right. Uh, you know, if you, have to add a, if you have to add a boundary, that means potentially something not great has happened. Yeah. Uh, so better that you have it and uh, not need it than need it and not have it. Yeah, I've heard more couples, especially the successful ones, um, you know, their stories are more similar to yours in that they started out with some because they really didn't know how they were going to feel or how they were going to react to the experience. But those eventually went to the wayside, right? And it was just kind of very open about everything. Right. So now, so your podcast, let's, everyone could go there and listen to your hot stories. They could also join your OnlyFans. OnlyFans is front porch swingers as well. Yes. So I'll put links to everything below. Thank you so much for coming on. You guys are on YouTube too, right? I'll put your YouTube channel up there. You have the podcast. You have OnlyFans. Um, And people should check out your podcast because that's where they'll hear a lot more hot stories as well as learn, right? As in case they want to get into the lifestyle. Yeah, we'd love for you to come check it out. Like I said, it's a very realistic view of non-monogamy. So we don't... uh 
we don't paint anything in a positive light if it wasn't positive. We're very honest. And it's also pretty sexy and raunchy at times, which I know people sometimes enjoy. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, do we have time for like one hot story? I always try to get them in. I just feel like you guys are very informative in what you have to say, that it's more of an informational episode. Um, but thanks so much for calling in, you guys. I've seen your podcast around a lot. I'm glad to have you guys on my show. I think it's important for people to hear from people like you because I, I, you know, like I said, you guys are top of the mountain for me. I think I, I look at people like you that do this and I feel like you're more evolved. <laughs> you know, I just think that that's like a very open, honest place to be. And I have total respect for that. And I think what's even better is that you guys are out there helping people by being honest about who you are and having a voice and put it, you know, and I think that that's great. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having us on as well. We really appreciate it. Yeah, right. thank you so much. No, no, thank you. I'll let you guys know when this is going to air, and I'll put all your links below. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. If you want to follow the show, follow me at Strict Anonymous on Instagram or Twitter. That's at Strict Anonymous. If you are on YouTube, make sure to subscribe. I love YouTube as a platform for my show because people comment there and I try to reply back to every single person who posts a comment. So even if you're not listening on YouTube and you want to talk about the show, go to my YouTube channel, subscribe, like, and share my videos. It's Strictly Anonymous Podcast. If you want to sign up for my Patreon, on my Patreon, you are not only supporting my show, but you will get these episodes early, ad-free, and you get to see anonymous pics of my guests. Most of the girls send in anonymous pics and some of the guys send in anonymous pics. So if you want to see anonymous pics of my guests as well as support my show and get these episodes early and ad-free, sign up for my Patreon, patreon.com slash strictly anonymous podcast. That's patreon.com slash strictly anonymous podcast. The link is also in the description below. Thanks so much for listening. Do you have a story, lifestyle, or situation you can't talk about to anyone, to anyone? Or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show? Well, Strictly Anonymous wants to hear from you. Send us an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name. And remember, everything is Strictly Anonymous. Strictly Anonymous.